Hello and welcome to Motive Insights, the Motive Partners podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. to the Motive Insights podcast. We've got an awesome conversation ahead of us today, or at least I hope it is, not to put too much pressure on, I guess. We're joined today by my colleague, Richard Lum, an industry partner at Motive, and Nick Leppard, the CEO and founder of Accordion, a deal, a partnership we formed at the end of August last year. And at the end of the discussion, we're also going to be joined by one of our superstar investment professionals, and I'm not going to spare his blushes because he was promoted just this week to Vice President Ronick, and also his innovation counterpart in the Motive Create business, Mike Campbell, to talk us through a little bit more of the technical side of why we love Accordion. But without any further ado, I'm going to hand straight over to Richard and Nick. Over to you guys. Thank you, Sam. And uh, Nick, it's great to be with you today. And thanks once again for doing this with us. But why do we start off with a pretty simple question, which is uh, maybe you introduce Accordion. And tell us what led you to start your own company uh, back in the day. Thanks, Richard. I, mean, I think the uh, biggest thing I was looking forward to in our Motive partnership was uh, being on the Motive Insights podcast. So it's a crowning moment in my career right now. Accordion is a unique, unique animal in a very crowded and commoditized consulting space. But I think we've really stood out in this market because of the incredible differentiation on our services. Accordion today is a consulting business, which we've been radically focused since I founded the firm in 2009 on two areas, only doing office of the CFO work, and then only in private equity backed companies. And I'll give you a bit of background as to how we came about that. But that radical focus has really allowed us to build a best of breed consulting business with being the gold standard around office of the CFO consulting services. We've got about 420 professionals across the US, across 10 offices, and we serve about 200 private equity funds from a lot of middle market sponsors to the largest cap sponsors, including Motive. And so we've, I think, developed a really good brand around differentiating between working alongside management teams to help them be high-performing private equity-backed uh, leadership teams, but also getting really hands-on and helping really drive forward a lot of the value creation plans at these portfolio companies. And along the way, software has been a very attractive focus of ours, where private equity as an asset class has been slow to adopt technology, but needs to professionalize the need to produce returns to accelerate uh, the execution of value creation levers across um, an investment hold period is becoming more and more critical, even in today's environment. And there was a real opportunity to leverage technology and build technology to serve the private equity industry, which we are already serving, and the operating partners, which we're already calling on to develop a technology platform called Maestro, which really is around memorializing the value creation plans per portfolio company, the qualitative and quantitative results, being able to track those and having more of a level of confidence that we can achieve the investment returns that we're looking for. So I'm really excited about that. It's still very nascent, but we are excited with our new partners, both Motive and Charles Bank, uh, based out of Boston. They've really helped us solidify the vision for how we take it from where we are today, which I think is a very successful business to what will be a global leader in the consulting and technology space. But let me take a step back. I started the firm 14 years ago 
I had a very unique path to starting Accordion. And I think we're all sort of a, a sum of our products or our experiences. When I first graduated from university, I had gone to a startup commercial finance company, which saw a lot of success. Um, we're a $3 billion market cap company within three years. What really stood out was an incredible culture of people. It was a young CEO, a lot of opportunity for even junior professionals such as myself. And I really thought that every company had a culture just like that. And we did amazing things because of that culture. A lot of firms talk about it, but when you feel it, you just know. From there, I went into investment banking at Bear Stearns. I loved the work. I can say that culture was not exactly the same of investment banking as in a startup commercial finance company. So that was very evident to me at the time. And I had left Bear Stearns prior to uh, Bear facing its demise and had gone to a mezzanine fund. And I think entrepreneurs, they just have this innate need to really serve that desire. And to me, I was always thinking about what company should should I start or go out and acquire and really wanting to lead something myself. So I don't think that's a desire that goes away. But then the 2008 financial crisis hit. And being at a mezzanine fund, we ended up having to get much more involved in the holdings that we had. And it was always myself being parachuted into the portfolio companies to work alongside the CFOs. And there's just a range of needs that the CFOs had, heavy on FP&A, heavy on corporate development focus. But when trying to bring resources to those CFOs, uh, just realized that it wasn't being served by the big management consulting firms such as Bain or McKinsey. It wasn't being served by the big four accounting firms. And there really was a need as private equity as an asset class was only getting bigger and more and more of a focus on this is sort of the beginning of the portfolio operating partners. They really had a need to have SWAT teams be able to work alongside their CFOs. So um, developed the idea for Accordion in 2009, started putting that idea together, officially launched in November of 2009. And it has been a tough and fulfilling and successful journey um, so far. So, I mean, this focus, Nick, the focus on the private equity industry, the focus on the office of the CFO is clearly paid off for you. And, um, you know, in diligence, when we were conducting diligence, one of the things that really stood out for us was not only the amazing growth and the amazing team, but the customer feedback, the net promoter scores you were getting from your customers. Why do you believe this is the case? What do you really think sets Accordion apart from the competition? Uh, let me go back to the culture point, and then I can get maybe a, a bit more tactical. Most companies start with a founding mission of we're going to serve the best products or services to our clients. We are you know, going to go after a large TAM. All that being true, our founding mission, and it's on every single one of the TVs and our offices and, and everything we do, is called A Better Way to Work in Finance. So we started with the employee value proposition first, and that was the founding mission. And so when you really take those experiences you've had successful in the past and build a culture, which is first and foremost, just hungry people that you know are just good humans overall and really focused, want to be part of a firm that was higher in collaboration and entrepreneurial spirit, felt like they could be a part of a high growth firm where they could raise their hand and really make their mark on a growth firm versus having a job. That was really the founding mission. So my belief is if you started there, then you would gravitate towards the best clients. And then you would deliver the best work. And then it becomes a virtuous cycle where you get more and more of great people. And then you get more and more clients come to it. And then also, you have to remember, 
Like I personally did not come out of a consulting business. And so, you know, with that, kind of built a consulting business how I thought it, it should be built. And look, there's a lot of mistakes along the way, like how to build leverage models and how to think about quality risk management, all things we've developed over time. However, the first four of us was focused on building a great team. Second was go into our clients and not leave behind PowerPoint presentations. Go in and roll up your sleeves and help really you know, have clients push forward initiatives, help them execute against things. And then as the accordion name implies, the ability to expand and contract the teams as necessary was critical. We're not putting in big bloated teams where it feels like there's a lot of cost fatigue, which most consulting firms sort of get from their clients. And then being hypersurgical and saying, look, we don't need to have 12-month engagements. We can come in for two, three-month support and then get out. And that led to, yes, less than clear revenue visibility that other consulting firms may have, but it led to a brand where clients are like, we can call Accordion and they can help us with the smallest projects or the largest projects and with great people to work alongside our management teams to help elevate them and to ultimately drive returns. So that sort of model of engagement has worked uh, really, really well. And then, you know, on a more tactical level, you know, we've got many of our clients we all came up through industry with. Um, we spend a lot of time with them, really focused from a client lens perspective on what are their needs and how can we grow. We've been radically disciplined on saying we're not going to try to be all things to all people. And with that, it's allowed us to build that gold standard within the office of the CFO services. And myself and the rest of the management team, we do net promoter score calls after pretty much every engagement, just 15 minutes with our clients talking about what's worked, what could be constructive, areas of need they may want us to focus on. And not just informing us of how we can get better, what they found is us as a leadership team taking the time to reach out to them and say, can we just talk about this? And we're really not using it as a business development opportunity, but how can we just serve you better? And how can we as a firm grow to better serve your needs? They really appreciate the effort that comes out of doing those calls at the end. And that's led to an MPS score of 87 when the industry average is at 22. Cool. Very cool. Now let's dive into a little bit more detail and maybe um, talk a little bit about the services you provide and the type of work you do with clients and maybe also in the context of the last 12 months, we've seen valuations drop in the marketplace. We're maybe on the uh, brink of a recession in 2023. How are you seeing demand change in the market? So a broad view of where our services are, you know, we started, I mentioned, you know, I was one of those people being parachuted into the portfolio companies and I was providing FP&A support, budget and forecasting support, corporate development support. And so that's really where the firm started, like very singularly focused on an FP&A lens, given our backgrounds within investment banking and, and private equity. Since that time, we've built out eight practices to really serve the office of the CFO between operational accounting work, like between operational technical accounting, IPO readiness, just getting the monthly books closed. We have a transaction execution group focused on merger integrations, carve-outs, sell-side readiness. Our CFO technology is where we're really putting in you know, technology applications for the office of the CFO, whether that be ERP systems or CPM solutions or business intelligence solutions. We do a lot of interim leadership, and then we acquired a turnaround and restructuring business about two years ago. And... Then our transformation group, which is really focused on CFO-led transformation, where it's real quantifiable results, like it can drop straight to the bottom line. So, you know, that is just a broad swath of all the needs of the office of the CFO. And they've been very deliberately designed to be, call it cycle neutral, where there are times when like deal activity is flying and there's a lot of onboarding needs, 
post-deal activity. Uh, we don't really do diligence work, but a lot of the work comes post-close or sell-side readiness type work. And then we wanted to make sure we had a suite of services that could really thrive in a downturn. And since starting the firm in 2009, our first glimpse of that was really during COVID of 2020. Say, have we designed these services to really thrive in a downturn? And you know what you see now is a little bit of a different flavor than COVID. COVID was really all around cash flow management, our turnaround and restructuring business was flying during that time, especially for six months of COVID, really thinking about visibility into a company, but like to understand like what cost optimization levers can we pull here? So there's a lot of GNA spend analysis. So we got a taste of that during COVID. These last 12 months have been an interesting time. The market has been busy in pockets. The private credit market has been more busy than the private equity market. Private equity has really been focused on waiting. And so there's been a disconnect in valuation expectations between sellers and buyers. But there's been, because of that, a real focus on what can we do to improve portfolio companies now. So a lot of that has been around like, well, let's focus on transformation work. How can we just right-size this business? Or how can we leverage technology to run a more efficient function? How can we lift and shift certain functions, potentially offshore or nearshore, to drive cost efficiencies? We've been working with a lot of our private equity sponsors on that. And there's been more and more of a focus on optimizing existing portfolio companies versus new deal flow for now. And we're starting to see some activity around, you know, potentially putting more and more money to work, which we've got a view on as of what that may look like from a market activity later this year. But I think we're, we've been pretty well positioned to um, to capitalize on that volatility, but it's been very deliberate around how we built out those services in order to thrive in any economic environment. So you've grown tremendously quickly and continue to grow uh, quickly in 2023. And you've obviously done that both organically, but inorganically as well with some acquisitions. How do you manage the quality and the culture as you're growing so quick? When we first took on private equity money four years ago, it was in the fall of 2018. We brought in minority investor FFL Partners out of San Francisco. The first thing I said to them was, we've got a great business. Let's not screw it up. And what that means is if you want to be focused just on revenue aggregation or just on revenue growth, you've got the wrong management team. You've got the wrong company. If you want to focus on building a great company for the long term, the financial outcomes will be a byproduct of that. And so that was repeated to motive at the very beginning when we when we got together. So last year we grew 81%. 55% of that was organic, organic growth. We had made two acquisitions in the CFO technology space. One was around CPM solutions and one was a NetSuite implementation firm. In the previous year, we had acquired this turnaround and restructuring business. And so a couple of learnings came out of that. Sometimes it's better to buy versus build. Sometimes it's better to build versus buy. And then always we have to find, given how important culture is, a really strong and passionate management team. And that, you know, that one that really cares about their people just as we do. And those integrations have gone really well compared to some of our peers that have used MA as a lever. And we've also done it in a way that has not been transformative M&A, which adds significant amount of risk to the organization. So all three of those acquisitions have been under 50 people in total at each company. And they've been easy to integrate into uh, to a firm because of a like-minded culture and also a size comparison where it didn't add unneeded risk, where there could be a cultural clash or who's driving the boat here. And they, all three acquisitions, I got really excited about the accordion growth story and what our mission was to both serve our employees and also what we're trying to achieve in the market. So, 
you know, going back to buy versus build, in about 2018, 19, we were like, let's build out a turnaround construction business. We need to prepare for any sort of downturn. We had not lived through a downturn and we tried. And frankly, we just realized like it's going to take us a long time to build out a brand within turnaround and restructuring. And we could dabble in it, but we're never going to be a clear winner. So we had found an incredibly passionate founder, a guy named Jim Weisenborn, who ran a company number six on the turnaround restructuring league tables um, called Mackinac Partners. And we really had a shared vision around how companies should be built. Um, he got excited about his employees and you know, longer term around like what this could mean as having a broader suite of services, not just turnaround restructuring services. And um, we, uh, we acquired that two years ago. And that was just an easier buy than us taking 10 years to build a brand within turnaround restructuring. And for CFO technology, we just found great expertise uh, in two acquisitions we just made that great, strong partnerships with the market had real expertise. We knew we could deploy quickly into our needs. And all that was led from a client lens perspective of saying, guys, we need this if you provide this and it further bolsters the value of your services. And then we just had a lot of confidence that those are great acquisitions to supplement our strategic growth plans. That's cool. What, what do you think the priorities in terms of M&A are for the next few years then? Or or even in organically, what's your priorities? How do you see you expanding the business? Well, Richard, just as I did with FFL, I want to see the list of returns by portfolio company. So we at least know like what we're shooting for to be uh, <laughs> not billing. So we've stated, uh, you know, we'll never get it perfectly right, but we've stated two thirds to one third um, organic to inorganic growth. And, you know, part of that is as we expand like globally, it will probably make more sense to go with an acquisition and then build around that. Um, as we expand into things like data and analytics, there's plenty of phenomenal firms out there that were really focused on finding ones that are like great fits, could also the services fit right into the office of the CFO services. And we can provide a really compelling service offering to our clients that stands out as a significant competitive advantage against our peers. We're on the lookout for acquisitions like that. We'll probably try to do, given the organic growth, we'll probably look for three to five acquisitions per year. And I think we're on pace to achieve that in 2023. And we did two last year. Very good. Very good. Let's just pivot slightly and talk about your relationship with Motive, the partnership with Motive. We're in the first year together. What do you see as the value that Motive partners can bring to you? And how do you plan to leverage our team? When I met Rob, given his experience having built a dominant consulting business, that was intriguing. And having a shared view of also how technology can help accelerate consulting businesses, not just being people-driven, that was compelling to me as well. We built an incredible consulting business, but our software business is still pretty nascent. And you know, never having run a software business before, but being able to identify industry needs, technology adoption, how they can serve uh, those needs and how that can be accelerated, that became a priority for us as a firm. How do we think about you know the overall sales function of a software business? And then in partnership with that, how do you develop a business development function that ties into a consulting business to make that consulting business have a competitive advantage through its own proprietary software? All things which are massive opportunities, but also we recognize that we don't have all the answers. It, we need to surround the best people around us. 
Now, I didn't expect to be able to spend so much time with somebody like you, Richard, who has run you know, Accenture on a global basis and being able to bring lessons, both good and bad lessons from large companies like where we got it, where we didn't. Um, think through things that you know, where we are still relatively a small company. I think we've been you know, a real dominant force in the industry, but there's still a lot of room to run. And with that just becomes a lot of things we need to start thinking about around the corner, whether that be global integration, whether that be compensation plans, how do you think about organizational structure as you start to run a more complex and diversified business, but doing it in a way where we're constantly thinking about eliminating complexity. And that has been incredibly valuable. Cool, cool. Let's talk a little bit more about um, Maestro, your software product. You know, Motive Create is uh, working with you to help think through the direction of Maestro. But maybe you can just explain for our listeners what Maestro is and your vision for Maestro really in transforming the private equity industry's approach to value creation. Yeah, much like how we built our consultant business, being radically focused on a specific market and serving a very specific uh, need. What we saw in Maestro is a need to serve the same private equity market, but oftentimes when you think about value creation plans, they were being managed in a very disparate function. And it could be managed in Excel, it could be managed in board packs, could be managed in somebody's outlook to understand like where are we at on progress around these strategic initiatives at this portfolio company. We don't think that works for the long long haul. There is an increasing focus on portfolio operations. And as private equity has the single biggest generator of returns has been multiple expansion. If you can no longer rely on multiple expansion, you need to focus on why does private equity exist to build great companies, to build more profitable um, companies. And so there's a lot to do within the portfolio companies to be able to execute against that. But there was no central platform to be able to track both the qualitative and the quantitative results of the value creation plan. So we built a software platform to be able to house all the private equity portfolio companies in one place where you could see the VCPs by portfolio company. It was not just a back office reporting function. This is really meant for the front office, which has never really existed. If you look at the software landscape of private equity at their disposal now, there are CRM solutions and there are LP reporting platforms. There's nothing in the middle to really help deal teams or operating partners be able to track those portfolio companies and to also be able to communicate and sync up with management teams around the progress against those. So Maestro is a place where all those portfolio companies can sit. You can track the qualitative objectives, progress. That may be, you know, we need to grow this business into the Southeast US. Okay, have we qualitative? Have we written a business plan for it? Have we talked to customers in the area? Have we thought about like where we should actually be located? Now, the quantitative to be able to link on to that is also how many salespeople have we hired in the market? What's our revenue? How are we tracking against the objective growing into the Southeast? That's just one, one example. And that's never really been done before. And this is a place where ultimately private equity looks at this and says, okay, we have one place where we can show our LPs that we have a much more disciplined way to be able to track the value creation plans. We can be able to track the data across all these portfolio companies. So ultimately creating our own proprietary benchmarks of saying, we know what has been done within each of these portfolio companies over the span of 10 years. 
and then be able to show that those are the true drivers of returns in a fundraising market. So being able to understand more and more pattern recognition of what has worked from a VCP perspective when you go out to fundraising. So we think this is going to be incredibly critical to be able to adopt within private equity, and then ultimately will be the feeder of returns from a value creation perspective, and ultimately be a non-negotiable when you're in fundraising by LPs. And Maestro has opportunity to be a clear leader in that space. Let's touch on the subject of data and analytics, because I know this is an area of excitement for you and the team. I mean, you've got a decade of intellectual capital, pattern recognition, financial and operational data on the private equity uh, industry. What do you see as the big opportunity here for your customers and indeed for your own growth? So what we've seen, it's much like the, the trend we saw about five years ago. And this is what we're seeing going back going back to Maestro is private equity as an asset class has been slow to adopt technology themselves. Five years ago, CFOs were being slow to adopt technology and the usage, the efficiency and effectiveness that could come out of that, but then started to see that how valuable that could be. And so that's when we started building our CFO technology practice, and that has really taken off. What we are seeing now is that there is an omnipresent focus and value opportunity in tracking data across portfolio companies. And private equity funds are saying the single biggest way that we're going to be able to pull on the value creation levers are just better and better insights. Historically, Accordion has been very involved in developing KPI dashboards, thinking through certain analytics, whether that be profitability by by customer, by channel, by SKU, or gross margin trends. We believe that much more technology-enabled data analytics expertise is becoming more and more of a requirement. And so that means companies with tons of disparate data across multiple systems because they've acquired five different companies. There's a lot of trapped data out there that can be very valuable to drive insights on to be ultimately be able to make faster and better investment decisions within a portfolio company. And so if we can help our clients focus on the master data governance model, being able to clean that data, to be able to capture that data, put it into data warehouses, and ultimately be able to analyze it and put that into the right dashboards in order for not just the private equity fund, but the business unit leaders down at the front lines of a portfolio company to be able to use. That's going to be a requirement. And ultimately, it's going to become table stakes in order to make investment decisions around those portfolio companies. And we've been investing heavily in that over the last couple of years. We've been doing that really organically. We've been investing in the technology to, to be able to provide it, but really now investing around deep data analytics experience in order to drive better insights for our customers is a um, real key area of growth for Accordion right now. Nick, it's been great talking with you today. I want to thank you for your time. But more importantly, I want to thank you for your leadership at Accordion. Thanks so much for your time. And now to Ronak and Mike. Thank you, Nick and Richard, for the conversation. And thank you, Sam, for the introduction. My name is Ronak, and I'm a vice president at Motive Partners. I'm going to deliver the thesis around why we invested in Accordion. Motive's investment thesis in Accordion was informed by six key points. First, and most importantly, Accordion has a very strong and driven leadership team led by CEO and founder Nick Leppard, President Atul Agarwal, and CFO John Apter. Management is the key to creating value, and Motive's deep expertise in consulting through our executive team allowed us to identify very early on that Accordion had an excellent management team at the helm, and we're building something special. The Motive team on this investment includes our managing partner, Rob Havart, 
who founded two consulting companies in Capco and CMAD prior to founding Motive, founding partner Scott Kaufman, who has invested in consulting companies throughout his career, industry partner Richard Lum, who you heard from earlier, who is the CEO of Accenture Financial Services for nearly a decade, and founding partner Andrew Tarver, who founded Jigsaw, now known as Motive Create. Second, Accordion is expanding rapidly and plays in a sizable office of the CFO market, which is growing 16% annually. Long-term secular tailwinds of dry powder and fundraising in the private equity industry support Accordion's transaction volume. Additionally, private equity funds are increasingly focused on office of the CFO capabilities to unlock value creation, and Accordion's strong and differentiated brand continues to drive their winning strategy. Third, Accordion has a service offering, which covers the investment cycle and also dampens volatility in shifting macro environments. From CFO technology to the turnaround and restructuring division, which Nick mentioned in his conversation with Richard earlier, Accordion's offering is holistic and enables greater client stickiness while driving opportunities to win amongst broader market shifts. Fourth, Accordion is highly cash generative, with an attractive free cash flow profile and multiple levers to reinforce durability. Being a headcount-driven business, Accordion has minimal capital expenditure, which allows for cash generation to fund M&A, which leads me to my next and fifth point, which is that Accordion has an M&A landscape ripe for consolidation, which enables continued diversification of their offering, as well as accretive value creation. Accordion has made highly complementary acquisitions to date, adding counter-cyclical and technology capabilities over the last few transactions. Last but not least, the motive teams spanning Rob, Scott, Richard, and Tarver provide board-level expertise and networks to unlock value creation opportunities. Additionally, there's an opportunity for a Motive ecosystem play, with Motive Create, whom you will hear from right after this, able to support Accordion in embedding more technology into their service offering. In conclusion, we are very excited to partner with the Accordion team. And now introducing my colleague from Motive Create, Mike Campbell. Hi, it's Mike from Motive Create. I look after a lot of our strategic relationships with financial institutions within Motive Create and work very closely with some of our portfolio companies and with the Motive Capital side of the house. Thank you, Mike. I know you and the team at Motive Create are spending a lot of time on the value creation tracking tool, which Nick flagged in his conversation with Richard earlier called Maestro. Would you be able to set the scene for us in terms of we understand what Maestro is? but what exactly it does and how that fits into the private equity ecosystem. Yeah, sure. I think when we got closer to Accordion, one of the things that certainly I was most excited about is the potential of Maestro, their platform that sits within the wider Accordion portfolio. Um, but before we go on to kind of why we got excited by Maestro, I think it's probably worthwhile just taking a step back and thinking some more about the scene and in, in terms of the dynamics of why we think Maestro has an important role in private equity going forward. I think everyone's aware, the tailwinds of the industry, the driving increased control and discipline associated with value creation planning and execution within portfolio companies will become increasingly more important, both for ourselves as GPs, but also how we report to our LPs. And as we see the industry further moving towards digitization and democratization, and ultimately to the end goal of when retail investors are starting to invest in alternative asset classes like private equity. Centered to that control and discipline, so our mind is around the MI, the analytics, the dashboards that are associated with the portfolio companies within our portfolio and across the industry. And being able to get a real-time view of performance and critically a consistent view of performance, both between our portfolio and management teams and ourselves, is a key enabler to that control. So when we saw Maestro, its capabilities of value creation, planning and execution tool, 
that really bridges the gap between how a GP views its portfolio and how a portfolio management team views its own company. We got super excited about the potential of this as one of the key platforms to drive the democratization and digitization of the industry. Thank you, Mike, for the color. Slightly pivoting the conversation, would you be able to walk us through how Motive Create and Accordion are working side by side to test Maestro and bring it into the Motive portfolio? Yeah, sure. Now, obviously, we are one of the target customers of Maestro, so it would be remiss of us not to practice what we preach. So the best way and the simplest way to get started as Motive Create working alongside Maestro is for Motive Create to use Maestro as our value creation tracking platform. What that gives us is real hands-on exposure and experience as to how the platform works in practice. What are the strengths today? But really where we get interested and excited is what's the opportunity for creating value in the future with the platform. We not only embrace it ourselves, but we also went out to a number of our, our friendly GPs, those who co-invest in us and those who are part of the broader motive family to really understand what are the pain points they're solving for or the challenges that they face and how can a tool like Maestro support them. And what we found was key is, the, is really the simplicity of integrating with the portfolio management team and the underlying data sources which they use to manage their business and how quickly we can integrate that to then get a view ourselves in terms of the performance of that business, but being able to track the performance of that business to our value creation plan. So ultimately, what was the value creation plan that we underwrote our business case for? And so really for us, the starting point and how we got a, a kind of in-depth knowledge of Maestro was embracing the platform as a tool for ourselves and a tool for our portfolio companies. Thanks, Mike. I think the next thing we should probably focus on is assessing the value of Maestro, not just to GPs like ourselves and portfolio companies whom we work with, or the LPs who are the customers we are serving, but also retail investors and Accordion itself. Would you be able to spend a little bit of time talking through that? Yeah, sure. Um, let's start with the retail investors. So from our perspective, one of our big focus areas as Motive Create is the digitization and democratization of access to alternative markets. And for us, one of the key components of that story is the ability to provide accurate valuations and market data associated with those alternative asset classes. What we recognize today is the quarterly performance review process that exists in most private equity houses that is by its very nature quarterly. And there is a lag between the snapshot of the business and when that is captured in terms of then reported to ourselves and through to the LPs, does not necessarily fit with that model of democratizing access to alternative investment. So for us, where we see Maestro as a real key enabler in the future is providing that bridge between how valuation is done today versus how valuation needs to be done in the future in order to increase the confidence and comfort for retail investors to be able to invest in alternative asset classes like private equity. So that would be helpful for retail investors to better understand the value creation of the funds or portfolio companies they're investing in through a platform like Case, which is another motive portfolio company. From Accordion's perspective, we see this as a, a real area of growth in terms of creating a complementary business line to their core focus, um, creating a SaaS capability that can be embedded into their client base, but also can stand on its own two feet. And we've worked really closely with Nick and the management team to ensure that Maestro isn't just a solution available to Accordion, 
but it also can go to market on its own. And it can go to a market and stand on its own two feet as a brand, as a platform, as a capability that doesn't necessarily need an accordion relationship to be able for the GP to be able to buy. But we see the real value is kind of one plus one equals far more than two. The ability of accordion, the deep expertise across value creation, execution and transformation that they provide with the dashboarding, the analytical capabilities and the platform capabilities of Maestro really being a win-win for accordion's clients and ultimately for accordion's clients' clients, the LPs that invest in those GPs. And equally for ourselves and for accordion, a real win in terms of the value creation story for accordion and for why we invested in accordion. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. All makes sense. And I think on a finishing note, what this will mean for Motive Partners is outside of inputting our value creation plans and tracking them, holding management accountable, and ensuring timely delivery of our key product returns. Over time, Maestro will also allow us to build the data set, intellectual capital, and pattern recognition around value creation, enabling us to differentiate ourselves from our peers and deliver greater outcomes through advanced insights. Thank you to everyone listening and goodbye. Thanks all. Bye-bye. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.